Chapter Four of Windsor Castle, Book Three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Windsor Castle, Book Three by William Harrison Ainsworth, Chapter Four containing the history of the castle from the reign of charles the second to that of george the third with a few particulars concerning the parks and forest windsor castle on the restoration the castle resumed its splendour and presented a striking contrast to the previous gloomy period the terrace with its festive groups resembled a picture by watteau the courts resounded with laughter and the velvet sod of the home park was as often pressed by the foot of frolic beauty as by that of tripping deer seventeen state apartments were erected by sir christopher wren under the direction of sir john denham the ceilings were painted by vario and the walls decorated with exquisite carvings by grinling gibbons a grand staircase was added at the same time most of the chambers were hung with tapestry and all adorned with pictures and costly furniture the addition made to the castle by charles was part of the north front then called the star building from the star of the order of the garter worked in colours in the front of it but now denominated the stuart building extending eastward along the terrace from henry the seventh's building one hundred and seventy feet in sixteen seventy six the ditch was filled up and the terrace carried along the south and east fronts of the castle meanwhile the original character of the castle was completely destroyed and italianized the beautiful and picturesque irregularities of the walls were removed the towers shaved off the windows transformed into commonplace circular-headed apertures and so the castle remained for more than a century edward the third's tower indifferently called the earl marshal's tower and the devil tower and used as a place of confinement for state prisoners was now allotted to the maids of honour it was intended by charles to erect a monument in honour of his martyred father on the site of the tomb-house which he proposed to remove and seventy thousand pounds were voted by parliament for this purpose the design however was abandoned under the plea that the body could not be found though it was perfectly well known where it lay the real motive probably was that charles had already spent the money in sixteen eighty an equestrian statue of charles the second executed by strada at the expense of tobias rustat formerly housekeeper at hampton court was placed in the centre of the upper ward it now stands at the lower end of the same court the sculptures on the pedestal were designed by grinling gibbons and Horace Walpole pleasantly declared that the statue had no other merit than to attract attention to them. In old times a road, forming a narrow irregular avenue, 
ran through the woods from the foot of the castle to snow hill but this road having been neglected during a long series of years the branches of the trees and underwood had so much encroached upon it as to render it wholly impassable a grand avenue two hundred and forty feet wide was planned by charles in its place and the magnificent approach called the long walk laid out and planted the only material incident connected with the castle during the reign of james the second has already been related windsor was not so much favoured as hampton court by william the third though he contemplated alterations within it during the latter part of his life which it may be matter of rejoicing were never accomplished queen anne's operations were chiefly directed towards the parks in improving which nearly forty thousand pounds were expended in seventeen o seven the extensive avenue running almost parallel with the long walk and called the queen's walk was planted by her and three years afterwards a carriage road was formed through the long walk a garden was also planted on the north side of the castle in this reign sir james thornhill commenced painting charles the second's staircase with designs from ovid's metamorphosis but did not complete his task till after the ascension of george the first this staircase was removed in eighteen hundred to make way for the present gothic entrance erected by the elder wyatt the first two monarchs of the house of hanover rarely used windsor as a residence preferring hampton court and kensington and even george the third did not actually live in the castle but in the queen's lodge a large detached building with no pretension to architectural beauty which he himself erected opposite the south terrace at a cost of nearly forty four thousand pounds with most praiseworthy zeal and almost entirely at his own expense this monarch undertook the restoration of st george's chapel the work was commenced in seventeen eighty seven occupied three years and was executed by mr emlyn a local architect the whole building was repaved a new altar screen and organ added and the carving restored in seventeen ninety six mr james wyatt was appointed surveyor-general of the royal buildings and effected many internal arrangements externally he restored wren's round-headed windows to their original form and at the same time gothicized a large portion of the north and south sides of the upper ward before proceeding further a word must be said about the parks the home park which lies on the east and north sides of the castle is about four miles in circumference and was enlarged and enclosed with a brick wall by william the third on the east and nearly on the site of the present sunk garden a bowling green was laid out by charles the second below on the north were queen anne's gardens since whose time the declivity of the hill has been planted with forest trees at the east angle of the north terrace are the beautiful slopes with a path skirting the north side of the home park and leading through charming plantations in the direction of the royal farm and dairy the ranger's lodge 
and the kennel for the queen's harriers this park contains many noble trees and the grove of elms in the southeast near the spot where the scathed oak assigned to hern stands is traditionally asserted to have been a favorite walk of queen elizabeth it still retains her name the great park is approached by the magnificent avenue called the long walk laid out as has been stated by charles the second and extending to the foot of snow hill the summit of which is crowned by the colossal equestrian statue of george the third by westmacott not far from this point stands cumberland lodge which derives its name from william duke of cumberland to whom it was granted in seventeen forty four according to norden's survey in sixteen o seven this park contained three thousand fifty acres but when surveyed by george the third it was found to consist of three thousand eight hundred acres of which two hundred were covered with water at that time the park was overgrown with ferns and rushes and abounded in bogs and swamps which in many places were dangerous and almost impassable it contained about three thousand head of deer in bad condition the park has since been thoroughly drained smoothed and new planted in parts and two farms have been introduced upon it under the direction of mr kent at which the flemish and norfolk modes of husbandry have been successfully practised boasting every variety of forest scenery and commanding from its knolls and acclivities magnificent views of the castle the great park is traversed in all directions by green drives threading its long vistas or crossing its open glades laid out by george the fourth amid the groves at the back of spring hill in a charmingly sequestered situation stands a small private chapel built in the gothic style and which was used as a place of devotion by george the fourth during the progress of the improvements at the castle and is sometimes attended by the present queen not the least of the attractions of the park is virginia water with its bright and beautiful expanse its cincture of green banks soft and smooth as velvet its screen of noble woods its chinese fishing temple its frigates its ruins its cascade cave and druidical temple its obelisk and bridges with numberless beauties besides which it would be superfluous to describe here this artificial mirror covers pretty nearly the same surface of ground as that occupied by the great lake of olden times windsor forest once comprehended a circumference of a hundred and twenty miles and comprised part of buckinghamshire a considerable portion of surrey and the whole southeast side of berkshire as far as hungerford on the surrey side it included cobham and chertsey and extended along the side of the way which marked its limits as far as guildford in the reign of james i when it was surveyed by norton its circuit was estimated at seventy-seven miles and a half exclusive of the liberties extending into buckinghamshire there were fifteen walks within it each under the charge of a head-keeper 
and the whole contained upwards of three thousand head of deer. It is now almost wholly enclosed. End of chapter 4